Hi, good morning, guys. Um, welcome to the final day of the Life Hurts seminar. My name's Nick, um, and I've had the privilege of, of hosting um, this week's seminar with my wife, Mel, who's going to be speaking to us today. Um, can I just ask you guys who, who are actually, if you don't mind, coming off of the side and just moving forward? I think, you know, when, you, when you're used to kind of being in front of people and you've got people, it, it can feel a little bit distant. So there's, 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 a, there's, a, there's a few of us here. So if we can just all kind of cluster a little bit more forward, it'll be really, really helpful. Um, and also, we're going to do something slightly different this morning anyway, which requires you to be a little bit closer anyway. So just push forward, push forward, push forward. Keep coming, keep coming. Off of the sides, come forward. Everyone I'm hoping has had a shower this morning. If someone hasn't had a shower, you'll soon realize. But we've got some fresh air coming through, so that's helpful too. That's excellent. That's excellent. Okay, I'm just going to very quickly recap, and then we're going to just have a little time, which I'll, I'll explain in just a moment. So this week, I started on Tuesday just looking at the fact that the reality that, that life does hurt, but that we've got a God who cares for us and who is good and who is with us in every situation. Um, we had Katie Lingard speak the following day on, um, she spoke on mistreatment and bullying, um, the following day, we had Phil Wheelfew. He came and spoke on um, the whole thing of rejection. And um, that was really, really encouraging for so many people. Um, and then we had Owen speak yesterday, Owen Hilton, and he spoke on this whole struggle of independence and the importance of us being able to, to trust our lives into God's hands rather than doing things our own way, which again was just really helpful and quite challenging um, probably for many as well. Today, Mel is going to speak on um, the whole thing of heartache, loss, and specifically grief. And um, so she'll be up in just a moment to do that. But, but before we do the normal thing we've done each morning, which is show a video and then get the speaker up, we just felt it would be, it would be right this morning for us to just have a time together, us as a group here, just, just to pray for one another. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to do something slightly different. We're going to pray for one another. And we're going to also um, just invite the Holy Spirit just, to, just to, to do what he wants to do even before we get Mel up to speak. Because he, he's been speaking to us all week. God's been really good this week and we, we want to hear more from him. So what I'm going to ask you to do, I'm going to ask you to stand. Yeah, this is going to require some work. I hope, you're, I hope you've had your breakfast this morning and you've got a little bit of energy. Um, I'm going to ask you just to get in little clusters. If you're with, if you're with people who you know, get in clusters. And, and just start praying for one another that, 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 that God would really speak to you today, that the Holy Spirit would speak to you. And what we're going to do while, we're, while this is happening, some red caps, the ministry team might just come around and if they feel God's got something for you, they're going to, they're going to maybe just come and share that with you as well. And there may be some others who, who come up and want to share a word also from the front. So I'm just going to pray. Um, and then I'm going to encourage you just to start cracking on with it, okay? Can we do that? Can we do that? Okay, Father God, we thank you that you have gathered us again this morning. We thank you that you've been speaking to us all week and that you are again committed to speaking to us today. We thank you that you're a loving Father who has nothing but great compassion for us. Would you now come by the power of your Holy Spirit Speak to us again. 
Stir faith in our hearts. Remind us again of your love and your commitment that we would receive from you again. In Jesus' name, amen. Just keep engaging with the Holy Spirit. Um, I've got a few prophetic words for some people, so um, maybe if you could open your eyes for a second and then I can point you out. Um, in fact, it's, it's, what's your name there? Just you, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry? Emma, okay. Um, the rest, everybody just keep engaging with God. But Emma, I just saw... Um, sorry, talk amongst yourselves. No. Um, in fact, can we just stretch a hand out to Emma? I just feel Holy Spirit's all over you. Um, I think it's really important for you to know that uh, the Father really, really likes you. I had a picture of um, someone walking a dog along a park, along a path in a park, and uh, the the word that was stamped across the sky was rest. And I just see Holy Spirit wanting to, to bring you real rest. Um, and I, I feel like it's been quite a difficult season for you. And you haven't had much time just to get your thoughts to yourself. Um, and I see you'd like to spend some time on your own. And you like time on your own. And I just feel like the Father wants to say that he loves spending time with you when it's just you. He loves the one-on-one stuff. And he wants to be able to take you on walks and take you places and show you some of his beautiful creation. And as he does that, he wants to reveal his heart and his wonders to you. But also, I feel like you've been quite lonely at times. And um, I feel the Father wants to say is that actually you're... um, I want to fill those longings for intimacy. That, that some of those longings that you have, some of those that, that void in you, I want to come and fill that. So guys, can we just pray for Emma? Can we just pray that God would come and fill her, that he would um, be intimate for her? Come, Holy Spirit. And as you guys are praying, I'm just going to keep prophesying. Emma, and I feel it's really important that there's lots of people praying for you because um, the Father wants you to know that you're not alone. You are not alone. And that he ha- you have all of heaven backing you. So, Father, we just pray that you would come and fill her right now, that you would uh, come and increase more of your presence on her. I pray, Father, that she would have a revelation of how close you are. And actually, God, that you are an intimate Father who loves to spend time with her, that you're not a distant God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I mean, I feel as though um, there's been some situations in your life that you've been facing some really tough decisions over um, and actually you're you're afraid that if you choose the wrong path God's not going to go with you and I feel like God would say to you right now I'm with you my daughter I am with you and actually if you make you know you, you can choose actually I think the decisions that are in front of you now God's saying you can choose actually don't be afraid that you're going to make the wrong decision and go away from me. I go with you. And actually, I will. I'm a good father. And I will direct you if you begin to veer off. But just keep looking to me and keep trusting me. And actually, he's going to bring great fruit in your life and through your life. Whichever choice you make, whichever path you take. He says... You are so talented. You're so gifted that I'm going to use you in whatever you choose. Actually, there's a freedom coming to you now, I think. There's a freedom coming to you. More, Lord. Give her more. 
Yeah, Father, we thank you that you are here by your spirit. We we come expecting to receive from you and we're so glad that you're always willing to show up. You're always willing to speak to us. We pray, Holy Spirit, you'd continue to help us throughout our time this morning. That you would speak into our hearts, that you would transform us, that you would bring healing that you would restore where we felt broken, that you would comfort us where we need comfort, that, Lord, you would strengthen us as your children, as your sons and daughters. Holy Spirit, help us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, guys, grab a seat, grab a seat, grab a seat. Thank you. Um, I'm going to introduce the person besides Jesus who is my bestest friend. Now, I say bestest, that sounds... And I mean it, she's my bestest friend. Um, Mel, we've been married coming on... Well, we've been together... We've known each other for over half of our lives. Um, we've been married coming on 20 years now. Um, I, I'm, I am so tremendously blessed. Um, she's a fantastic mother. She's a fantastic wife. Um, and I think someone summed it up really well when they saw us together. The other day, a guy called Tony, who met Mel for the first time, he said, ever since I've met Nick, Mel, I've been praying for you. (laughs) She's been such a blessing to me, it's unreal. But she's going to be sharing today on forgiveness and grief, um, but we're going to, yeah, well, we are going to touch on forgiveness as well, but but grief. But um, but we're going to just start by, by watching a short video, so just enjoy, and then Mel will get up afterwards. I lost my nene um, a couple of years ago and like the whole family just went sort of silent and it was re- like my dad was just went, just went he just he went really sad and he wouldn't talk anymore and he was really upset. Some family members have dead and it really did hit me hard. I haven't really lost anyone to be honest. My family's quite young so I've still kind of got all my family around me. And my great-grandparents that have died, I don't didn't really know them to feel like something inside of me is gone. And, but I still love them. And, um, yeah, so I haven't really lost anyone or anything in my life. Before, I used to think, oh, everything's really happy to that, but it just ends up... It does end up getting quite sad and hard through life, and it's not all, like big happy life it does cut but you still have to sort of persist on and stuff like that and you have to carry on. It was really a sad time. It's made me angry, sad. I was crying a lot but now it's all good because they're just in heaven resting in peace. It's very painful but it, you can you can try and get through it and like you you try you need to try and get through it and always go to somebody who you know you can trust and like sort of if it if you want to cry on their shoulder, cry on their shoulder because it's the right thing to do. You don't like never go through it alone. Good morning. As it's the school holidays, I've been watching lots of films with our children. Um, so I've watched Annie, the new one, and the story of Ray Charles. And the most recent one that we watched was Fall in the Stars. I don't know if any of you have seen that film or read the book 
Um, it, it was a really good story, but actually it's about someone who's, who's dying from cancer. But the overarching message was about being grateful for the time that you have with, with those that you love. And in true male style, I cried at the film. <laughs> it, it's a running joke in our house that as soon as a film starts, my children normally say, Mum, are you crying yet? It's not usually at the beginning. Normally, it's kind of near the end. But yes, I, I, I do get emotional because I feel it. I just can't help it. So it's good that I'm speaking on this subject. So I have my tissues ready just in case. Um, Today, I'm going to conclude the Life Hurts seminar, um, and I'm talking about heartache, grief, and loss. Um, so, one day, we're all going to die. That, that's the reality. Life hurts, doesn't it? It's a fact that we're all going to die. Death has been consistent since humanity began, and although it's a regular occurrence, we still find it difficult to talk about and to deal with. Um, so during this seminar, we're going to look at some biblical stories, look at responses to death, some stages of grief, and then finally confirm again, as we have all week, that God is with us even when life is hurting. Throughout this seminar, I am going to mention some of my own personal experiences and those of some close friends. And also, although we're looking at grief and loss, and our focus um, is Abraham and Sarah, so it's about death, actually loss can also be when there's a breakdown in a relationship or if someone moves away. It's, it's not just death. The principles are the same. Um, I know when we relocated from London to, to Gloucester three years ago, um, you know, there, there was some loss of some relationships that, that haven't been maintained. And I know for our youngest daughter, when her friend moved to America, she grieved, she cried, she was sad. She looked at photos, she looked at pictures and things that they'd done together. So although we are looking at death, loss can be in those situations as, as well. So let's hear that opening statement again. One day, we're all going to die. And regardless of what our personal beliefs are, death impacts all of us, and it causes us to feel a real mixture of emotions. And that is because death wasn't part of God's original plan. In Genesis 1:31 it says, "And God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good." And had Adam and Eve not sinned in the garden, they would have continued to live forever. But through their disobedience to God, they brought about physical and spiritual death. Physical death when our body stops working and spiritual death when we're separated from God's Holy Spirit. And it's because death wasn't part of God's original plan that we feel grief and we feel sorrow. And when someone dies, this can just be so overwhelming. But God feels the same way. 
He knows how much it hurts. And because he loves us so much and he knows how much it hurts, he came up with a rescue plan that gives us hope beyond death. God sent Jesus to earth to overcome our sin and death. And so that if we put our trust and hope in Jesus, that we can be united with him and reign with him forever. Through Jesus, we have hope. Death is is something that, that many fear because it's an unknown. We don't know when it will happen or how it will happen. And so... In some ways, it's hard to prepare, but the Bible tells us that Jesus died and rose from the grave, and because he overcame both physical and spiritual death, Christians don't have to fear death anymore. Physical death is just a doorway into heaven. And because of what Jesus did, death is described in 1 Corinthians 15 as being swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? As Christians, death doesn't need to hold us in this way because Jesus has made a way. This is the good news of the gospel. We've been following Abraham this week and today in our final seminar, we're going to read about Sarah's death. So Genesis 23, verse 1 and 2. When Sarah was 127 years old, she died at Kiriath Arba, now called Hebron, in the land of Canaan. There Abraham mourned and wept for her. When I read the the words there, mourn and weep, I get a real sense of Abraham's love for Sarah. And if you mourn and weep over someone dying... There are deep feelings there. Commentaries say that Abraham wasn't with Sarah when she died, but when he heard the news, he made his way back home. And that can be the same for us too, can't it? That when when someone we love dies, we're not always there with them. And that can be tough because we don't get to say goodbye or express how we feel. We can feel like we weren't there for them, when they needed us the most. So maybe when we read about Abraham's mourning and weeping, part of that was because he wasn't there. In the first part of the verse, it tells us that Sarah was old when she died. She was 127. I don't know anyone that that has lived that long. But I know when my grandparents died, when they were in their 80s, that was... um, that the first people really in our, in our family that, that I'd lost. Um, and although I mourned and I wept and it was a really difficult time, um, I think because they were older, I expected it. I, I, yeah, I expected it. I, I thought it would happen. That didn't take away from how difficult it was. Um, but yeah, that, that, that was a, a, a tough time. Life hurt. However, the reality is that we know that it isn't just old people that die. When our second daughter died at birth as a result of me going into to labor early, it's just a reminder again that, that babies and children and young people die too. 
And I didn't deal with Amber Grace's death in the same way as I did when my parents died. It was a shock. It was unexpected. And although at the time I delivered her, I knew during the process of labour that she would have died, I was still shocked. I think during that period I was hoping and, and praying that there would be some miracle. Um, but when she was born, she, she had already died. I have more questions like, why? And was it my fault? I was devastated. I found it really hard that our tiny little girl had died. I think in the morning and the weeping. I wasn't just mourning and weeping that, that, that she died. I think it was also the opportunity or the, the lack of opportunity to create those memories and to really see her and get to know her. And although I knew I'd see her in heaven one day, I also knew that God would help me get through it. I also found it really, really helpful to speak to others rather than just pretending that I was okay and that everything was okay. Even my family didn't really speak about Amber Grace. It was almost like she didn't exist. And that was hard. But God was with me. And he helped me through a time when life really hurt. As teenagers, three of my friends lost one of their parents. Two lost their battles with cancer and the other one had a massive stroke. Only one out of my three friends was a Christian. And she found the, the death of her mother devastating. She cried her sleep, herself to sleep every night for about a year. But despite that, she knew that God was with her and it would be okay. And although there is weeping, joy does come. Mother friend John had tried to numb the devastation he had felt when his dad died of cancer. Um, but he set off on, on self-destruct. And by that, I, I mean that John drank alcohol and, and lots of it. He did that in the hope that the pain of losing his dad would go away. My other friend Vicky also chose the self-destruct route. And she engaged in unhealthy relationships. She hoped that, that this would distract her from the unbearable pain of losing her mother. We can respond in the same ways as well, can't we? We have two options. We can, we can hold on to God and trust him to get us through, or we can take matters into our own hands and try to take the pain away that way. John and Vicky would say, even today, 20 years later, that they still haven't dealt with the death of their parent. Sadly, they didn't talk to God and they didn't speak to others to get help. For all of us, when someone dies, it's difficult. It hurts. But what we mustn't overlook is that their parents died for my three friends when they were teenagers. And that's a really tough time. When you're a teenager, you're transitioning from childhood to adulthood. 
There are physical and hormonal changes going on, as well as much pressure from school and friends, and also trying to work out who you are. So at this time, emotions are really intense, which is why grief can be so overwhelming. As we all do, teenagers need time to mourn and reassurance that experiencing a variety of feelings is normal. They need open and honest support and a space to share. Research has suggested that when teenagers grieve, their presenting behaviours can either be one of extreme anger or one of childlike behaviour. The extreme anger is a way of trying to process many intense thoughts and feelings at an extremely painful time. Whilst when you act like a younger child, it helps to feel a sense of security in a painful time. So we all agree that that mourning and weeping and grieving is a normal response to death. But what do these words really mean? Mourning is emotional response. It's an external expression of grief or sorrow. To weep is to shed tears, an expression of emotion. Sometimes when people are mourning, they wear black, they look sad, they cry. Some are overcome with, with grief. Grief can also affect all of us. It can affect our, our sleeping patterns, our appetite, our, our energy. And also spiritually, you know, do we, are we finding strength in God and in our faith? Or are we struggling with that due to the death of a loved one? Grief can also come in waves. Sometimes you feel okay and other times it just kind of hits you. There can be a deep, a deep, intense feeling. Life hurts. We, we read about Abraham mourning and weeping when he learned about Sarah's death. But we also hear in John 11... Um, when Jesus weeps, when he, when he hears about his friend Lazarus being sick and then dying and how those around are weeping. And when Jesus saw them weeping and wailing, he felt really strong emotions and he wept too. Jesus wept as he emphasized with their, with their grief and pain because he loves us and he cares for us. In Luke, before Jesus was murdered on, on his way to the cross, it says in verse 27 that a large crowd trailed behind, including many grief-stricken women. And following Jesus dying on the cross in verse 20, 48, it says, And when all the crowd that came to see the crucifixion saw what happened, they went home in deep sorrow. These were women who knew Jesus they saw him carrying the cross and they were grief-stricken. They knew him, they loved him, and they couldn't, couldn't bear to see the pain he was in when he was put on the cross to die. These women were grief-stricken and felt real deep sorrow. Things can sometimes feel unbearable. When we mourn and weep and grieve, when we feel sorrow, there can be many things that, that influence our process of grief. Some of those are, are whether a person is young or old, 
whether a person dies of natural causes like Sarah or was murdered like Jesus. Some influences are whether we're there with them or whether we're far away. And sometimes how we grieve can be affected by whether we're in a close relationship with someone or whether it's a, a strained one. I remember mourning and weeping for, for another one of my grandparents who had died. I hadn't seen her for many years and our relationship was, was strained. When I mourned and wept, I was weeping because she had missed out on my family due to her prejudices. I was sad about that. And that's why I was crying and feeling pain. I think I'd actually grieved for her a long time before she died. But as part of the grieving process, I also needed to forgive her. And although she died, God helped me with this and was with me during that painful period. I also think of a very close friend of mine, uh, Adele, that, that died. Um, and for me, her death, which I'm going to speak about in a little while, took, took mourning and weeping for me to, to another level. Her death affected the whole of me. I couldn't sleep. I couldn't eat. I just kept weeping. I was in pain, and I cried out to God. I needed him to, to, to help me get through it. Death affects us in different ways, and regardless of the circumstances around the death, we will all need to mourn. But we will do this in different ways and for different reasons, and there isn't a right or a wrong way. When people die, we mourn and, and weep, and there is grief and there is sorrow. But in Matthew 5 verse 4, it says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And because of what Jesus has done for us, there's comfort when a loved one dies. Jesus sent his Holy Spirit to live in us once we become Christians, and he is described as our comforter. When life hurts and someone we love dies, it isn't promised that our pain will all go away. But we are promised that God is with us and that we will be comforted. When we look at Lazarus and Jesus, we know that the mourning and weeping didn't last long because they were both brought back to life. Unfortunately, that, that wasn't the case for Sarah and Abraham had to get on with life without her. And for most of us, that, that, will, be, that will be true for us. So how do we do that? How, how do we move forward yeah, I've mentioned earlier in terms of uh, our daughter and my grandparents dying, but, but the hardest um, death for, for me to deal with was that of a close friend, um, Adele, who had died at just 29. Her death was, was hard because she was young, because she was a close friend, because she um, left behind a two-year-old daughter but the hardest thing was because she took the process of death into her own hands. She committed suicide. She had no hope and felt that ending her life was her only option. And the grieving process for me was a roller coaster. It took ages for me to move on from the sadness that I felt. And when someone we love dies, 
We can go through many stages of grief. And there, there are no hard and fast rules that apply to everybody. Everyone grieves in different ways and takes different lengths of time. So how do we move on? Experts have tried to understand the, this issue of, of grief and loss and have summarized it into what's known as the seven stages of grief. But even as we go through this, this is, these are guidelines and, and this is not, you know, we don't all go through stage one, stage two, stage three. It's different for everybody, but I just thought it was, it was quite helpful. And maybe for, for people that are grieving now, it might just be helpful to see what, what stage you're at. So say stage one is shock and denial. Shock provides an emotional protection from being overwhelmed all at once. You may also deny the reality of your loss in order to avoid the pain. Stage two is pain and grief. And this is where the shock wears off. And this is where the pain comes. And that can be unbearable. You may also feel guilty over things that you did or didn't do. Stage three is anger and bargaining. Frustration can give way to anger. And you can blame someone for the death. You also try to bargain and say things like, I'll never drink again if you just bring them back. Stage four is depression, reflection and loneliness, which are just long periods of sad reflection. Stage five is the upward turn. And as you start to get used to life without the person, your life becomes a bit more calmer and a bit more organized. Stage six is reconstruction and working through when you start to deal with practical life tasks and life without your loved one. You start to reconstruct yourself. And stage seven is acceptance and hope. You accept the death. This doesn't mean you are happy all of the time, but you are moving forward and you can start to plan for the future. When my friend Adele committed suicide, I definitely started at stage one. I was totally shocked. Her sister got the news and, and sent her partner to my work to tell me. And after speaking to my, my friend's sister, I just sat. I couldn't speak. I didn't cry. I didn't do anything. I, I was just in shock. My workplace rang my husband and, and he came to collect me. But during that time of shock, I also remember being in denial. I tried to ring her on her mobile hoping that she'd just pick up and that I'd hear her voice and that it would all be okay. Then came the pain, and that was stage two. It felt unbearable. I felt sick. I cried. I didn't want to eat. I just wanted to curl up in a ball and just stay there. I also felt guilty as I'd planned to phone her the night before, but by the time I'd got all the kids sorted, it, it was too late. And that was on the Sunday night, and it was the early hours of the Monday morning that she took her life. And so I had those questions. Could I have done something? If I'd have phoned her, I'd felt a, a, an immense guilt and blamed myself. 
I didn't experience stage three. Anger wasn't a, a, a feeling that I had. I knew how difficult her life had been and, and what she'd, she'd suffered through. And I was just sad. There was just a real long time of reflection. I'd sit and think about her and the impact that she'd had on our family and on our children because we all just loved her. As she was a friend and we didn't see her every day, I think that the stages five to seven, which for me I felt all kind of came at once, um, yeah, I felt I accepted that she was gone and that I wasn't going to see her um, kind of all at once. But I think the stage that lasted the longest for me was the sadness, just purely because around the fact that she had taken her own life. Although there are seven stages um, of grief that we go through, there are many feelings that can be experienced within each. And we don't go from one to seven and then all is well. You may move between the stages and kind of revisit and go back to some. Again, there isn't a right or a wrong way to grieve. Everyone goes through the stages differently and people will experience different emotions. Feelings like sadness and confusion and anger and resentment and even relief are normal. Relief can seem a funny one, but that's how I felt when my nan had died three weeks after my granddad. My nan had found it very difficult after my granddad had died because they'd been married for 60 years and she didn't know how she was going to get on with life without him. I know for others, when their loved ones have battled a, a, a disease or sickness, they can feel relief when their loved ones are no longer in pain. Other feelings may be panic or guilt, emptiness or agony. Some people just want to ignore everyone or everything and some people get angry. All of these are our normal responses. As, when it, as well as many feelings, people have questions as well. Everyone processes in different ways. So it's okay and normal to wonder about things like, does it hurt? Will I ever get over death? Why did God let this happen? God is helping me through this. Is it wrong that I feel peace? Is it my fault? What if I forget them? I want to hurt myself or I want to hurt others. When considering those questions and those feelings, I just want to say something on those last two statements. If you're in that place where you want to hurt yourself or, or hurt others, I, I really want you to get some prayer this morning and, and the ministry team will come alongside you at the end. Because although those are some, some normal responses and things can feel unbearable, actually we just really want to pray for you and with you uh, around that. All grief and loss is personal, but when sharing grief, that can bring great comfort. Speaking to others can, about your thoughts and feelings can be helpful and supportive. Remember, you don't have to do life hurting alone. Walking through a death takes time, and that time is different, different f for everyone. But also, 
it, it, it's good to be careful not to stay in this place for too long or hold on to, to your grief for, for, for so long. We need to, to look at ways that we can move forward. Pain and suffering will happen in life. It's inevitable, but it shouldn't control us, and we need to be able to move forward. In 1 Peter 5, verse 10, it says, After you have suffered a little while, he will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. Healthy grief is finding ways to remember the person you've lost and learning to adjust to life without them. God helps us when we're mourning, and then he helps us to move forward. So what's most important for more, sorry, what's most important for moving forward is a mindset shift. By this, I mean being willing to change the way we think about life's hurts. The pains, the struggles, the rejection, the mistreatment, and the heartache of grief and loss. In the first session, Nick spoke about life being like a two-sided coin, where with life hurts on one side, and the good character of God on the other. He spoke to us about not fully being able to appreciate one without the other, like we can't appreciate the sun without some rain. He also encouraged us to remember the importance of focusing on how God loves us and that he is with us despite life's hurts. This doesn't mean that life isn't going to be tough. It will but we have Jesus walking with us through life. He's there when life is hurting and he's there when it isn't. I don't know how I would have coped with the death of my loved ones if I didn't know that Jesus was with me. He was feeling my pain, he was hearing my prayers, and he was comforting me by his Holy Spirit and with others. And although it saddens me, to this day that Adele didn't have that same hope, she was, doing life, uh, she was doing life hurting alone, whereas I had Jesus doing life hurting with me. In Hebrews 4, verse 14 to 16, it says, So then, since we have a high priest who has hen- entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testing we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, where we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we most need it. Jesus lived as we do, and because he experienced life hurts at the highest level, he understands our pain, and he's able to sympathize with us. For this reason, we can go to to him when we need help. He does life hurting with us. In the Psalms, it says that God is close to the brokenhearted, and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. It also says that hurting is temporary, It won't last forever. And because of God's good character, we can trust him to provide comfort and to help us when we're grieving or when we've experienced loss. What we're going to do now is just allow some time for the Holy Spirit to speak to us 
and bring some some healing. When we speak about death or grief, it's one of those kind of subjects that um, it's not easy to talk about. It's not easy to talk about. But the reality is that it it, it, it affects everybody. And um, I think it would be really good for us to, to take some time just to consider where we may have held on to some stuff that or not allowed ourselves to accept some loss of some sort and I, I love I love I love what, what Jesus said when he says you know blessed are those who mourn because they will be comforted they'll be comforted but sometimes it's hard to let ourselves go there. It's hard to let ourselves go there. Let me just close your eyes. Just close your eyes. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you would help us to see where there's, we've experienced loss in our lives that we've maybe not yet acknowledged or come to terms with in some way help us also to see that it's okay to mourn that it's that it's right to do that that you yourself mourned and you wept at the loss of a friend thank you Jesus that you are able to empathize you're able to sympathize with us for you yourself were a man you lived you experience life hurt, life hurt, just like just like we do. You know what it you know what it's like for us. I'm just going to let the music play, just quietly in the background, and if you just just stay still for a moment. feel that right now there are some that you need to just let go there's a loss that you've been holding on to you've experienced loss even in this last year maybe need to let it go just let it go the Holy Spirit is safe he is a comforter he's a wonderful counsellor wants to hold you right now Red Caps, I'm just going to ask if you just just start getting to people. Just get alongside people. Just get alongside people. Sit by people. 
it's okay. It's okay, God knows. I'm just going to invite one of the two of the guys to come and just share any words that they may have. I encourage everyone else just to just to stay where you are. We're going to give an opportunity for God to speak directly to you by His Spirit, and for you to be able to respond to that. God wants to do some healing this morning, guys. I really believe that. God wants to bring some healing. I just feel this is a really holy moment. God is doing some really special stuff. I just want to continue to encourage you to be really brave. And for some of you, you haven't started on your journey yet of dealing with some of this stuff. And you're looking at the seven stages and you're like, yeah, I'm still in denial. And um, I just, this is a really safe place for you to deal, start beginning to deal with some of this stuff. Um, when Mel was speaking, uh, God drew me to Daniel 6, and it was where Daniel was put into the lion's den. And uh, some of you feel like you're in that place where it's totally unjustified, and there's no explanation as to why you've been put there, but it's like I'm surrounded, and I've been trapped, and I've been put here, and I don't, I don't get this. This is just not fair. And um, when Daniel came out, It says in uh, verse 23, The king was exceedingly glad and commanded that Daniel be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no kind of harm was found on him because he had trusted in his God. And for those of you that feel like you are trapped right now in the midst of all of this mess, I feel the Father wants to speak over you. No harm will be found on you. In the midst of all this grief, the Father is going to be is going to protect you because you trust Him, and uh, I just feel the Father wants to encourage you that you you can really really trust Him with this because He is faithful and He will really protect you. It's really clear Holy Spirit's moving and doing some good stuff and dealing with stuff. Um, if, if you want to be prayed for and you're not right now, just encourage you to maybe stick up your hand and then someone will, someone will come and pray for you. Uh, the rest of you, can we turn the music up a bit just to make it a bit easier for people to talk to people? That'd be great. This is a really safe place. Just keep engaging with God. Don't look at us.
Um, I just think Jesus really wants to reassure, reassure you all now. He's grieving with you. He's sitting alongside you and he's grieving with you. You're not in this alone. And um, I also had a particular word for, I think it's a young lady, but it might be a guy as well. Um, you have like a chronic illness. There's no cure. There's only treatment. And you're going to have to deal with this for the rest of your life unless there's supernatural intervention. And you've sort of been grieving for it. You've, you've gone through denial. You've gone through shock. You recognize those seven stages, not because you've lost a loved one, but because of this illness you, or injury, you can't escape um, through medical means. And Jesus just wants to come and bring his comfort. He's called the comforter, and he just wants to come and bring your comfort. He feels it every time you have to um, take your medication. Every time you have an operation, he feels it, and he's grieving with you, and he just wants to come and bring comfort to you. Um, yeah, I've just got, um, I just feel some people really connected with what Mel was saying about people dying suddenly and unexpectedly, uh, that some of you, some people here may have had someone die suddenly and unexpectedly and they feel they've just kind of, they've kind of just shut down to it. They, they, they're not quite, they don't know what to do and it's, they've just kind of frozen to it. I haven't really connected with the emotion. I just want to really encourage you, um, in saying that, uh, somebody once told me that, um, we can... Don't, we can't. We don't have to be afraid to tell God how we feel, because God can take it. And I just want to really encourage some people in here. If you are feeling like you've kind of just shut down to the emotion because you can't handle it, don't be afraid to tell God how you feel. And that can be really hard and really scary. And I want to encourage you that that can just start by saying, "God, this hurts," or "I don't know what to say." But you can. You can't. You don't have to be afraid of being too open about how you feel with God because. He can take it. I, I, I do sense there's 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 some there's a guy in here that that's somehow kind of feeling you know this isn't this this is hard for me to let to let happen to kind of release it. You know I've held on to this for long and I've kind of braved it. I've I've held strong. I feel God wants to kind of really say, just just soften your heart. Just allow me to just soften your heart. And if that means crying, it means crying. It, it's okay. <laughs> you know, there is God's power is revealed in our weakness. We don't have to be strong. We don't have to be strong. God is strong. And His Holy Spirit at work in us is what does the business. But He's saying you don't have to just let it go. Let it go. Okay, red caps. Okay, if 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 you're in here and you feel that, in a sense, your 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 business with God is 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 done for this morning in here, then we'll invite you to leave. That's fine. But for everybody else, if you if you still want to get some time with someone to come alongside you to pray with you to talk with you, please stay. Because we'll just keep the music playing gently in the background and encourage others to bring some words but 
But if you feel your time with God in this moment, this day is finished here, then you can go. But everyone else, please stay. You're, you're welcome to stay. And Redcaps, I would say for those who are still here, just move around. If you've got any specific words for people, go and speak to them. Get alongside them. I can see young ladies sitting on their own. Who Actually, it might be good for someone to, to say, do you want someone to pray with you? praying a few days ago I was uh, drawn to the story of Job I feel like this is the kind of time that God will want me to to share this those of you many of you will probably know the story of Job but those of you that that don't Job had some horrific things happen in his life to the point where he lost everything he lost his family he lost all of his possessions and even his physical body failed him And then his friends start accusing him and saying, what have you done to do this? God must be punishing you for something. And this is how Job responds. He says, I know that my Redeemer lives. And in the end, he will stand on the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh, I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes, I and not another. I'm reminded as well of a quote that I think it's from Hudson Taylor who said, how sad, how sad it would be to meet the one who wipes away every tear and have no tears to be wiped away. I feel like God would just want to honour the tears of some of you in here. I just want to say it's okay to cry. It really is. But take heart. Because I'm coming back. That actually dark days don't last. That in the end, even if it's... Even if you're dealing with it for all of your life... A day is coming. A day is coming when I will stand upon the earth, Jesus says, and I will take you and I will wipe away your tears. Take heart, have hope. There is hope in me, there is hope in my eternal future for you. feel like he'd want to take that hope really deep into some of you right now. He'd want to draw you into that hope. One day I'm coming back and I'm going to wipe away every tear. Um, I feel like there's someone... Well, actually more than one person here who um, has been going through a bit, pretty rough time and has been saying to themselves, it's okay, God will never give me more than I can handle. It's okay, God will never give me more than I can handle. Um, and to the point where you're almost in denial that 
that you're not going through a rough time. She's been saying that over and over again. And actually, I feel like, hear me correctly on this, okay? I feel like God's saying that's not true. God, God will often give us more than we can handle because that's when we turn to God. If God never gave us more than we could handle, we wouldn't really need God. So he's, uh, he wants to say to you this morning, actually, my child, I, I've given you more, well... You have more than you can handle because I want you to turn to me. I'm the deliverer. I'm the comforter. And this is actually a, a time in your life where you're going to depend further and further onto him. It's happened with Job. And um, I know there's some people in this room that can testify that actually there's been times where they've had more than they can handle and they've depended on God and he's brought them through and given them deliverance. And now that they have that firm foundation and the knowledge that God is their comforter. And I feel like that, that's what God wants you to do this morning. Um, I've just had a picture as I was saying this of a rock and I feel like maybe some of you have had a similar picture in regards of what you're going through and you can just see this rock in front of you um, and you're almost in water actually and you feel quite overwhelmed and almost drowning and there's this rock and you can't cling on to it and actually I feel like God comes is coming down from this rock lifting you up and putting it on it and th- that rock's the foundation saying that actually this is my God the comforter the deliverer someone who cries with me who holds my hand and who carries me when I need him to um, if that's you I'd love love to pray with you or another one of the red caps would love to pray with you just keep praying for one another You know, we live in a culture that says that we need to be, you know, really having it all together and all sorted and and that can be a real pressure for us to feel that we need to live up to that. And I'm often reminded of the Apostle Paul who, you know, three times came to God and, 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 and begged him to kind of take away an ailment or something that he had. We're not quite sure what it was. And um, each time God said to him, my grace is all you need. My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. And then Paul goes on to say, So now I am glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness and in the insults, hardships, persecutions and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. And there's a real encouragement there for us that actually even in our weaknesses, God is able to kind of reveal himself and show his power, even when life is hurting. It's just for us to trust and obey.